I'm loving it. Welcome to Go Additive, where your hosts combine their real-world professional 3D printing experience to deliver valuable opinions that will help you peer behind the curtain of the additive industry. And now, Go Engineer's own Tyler Reed and Tate Brown. a nice little nice little ditty bop yeah i agree with it it's uh the best intro in all of podcasting that's right it is it's true There's, it's, it's, it's too bad the video people true. don't it's get true. to uh the video they viewers, get a little taste do they they get a little taste i noticed it when i was reviewing one of the last episodes oh yeah nice yeah you know because we're Just, supposed to actually do that yeah you don't do it do you um i did um but now, yeah. you know what? Mm. It just feels weird, you know, when we're watching ourselves and I'm getting so excited, like saying, man, that guy is so good at no. what he does. So here's the thing. I don't think we're that good at what we do, <laughs> but, you know, we, we did have a little spike recently in some viewership yeah. on the channel. Yeah. The YouTube algorithm was good to us. It was. I don't know what happened. We had a little blip. <clears throat> we had a blip and uh, you know what? I We just have to be concerned about putting out good content. That, that's all I'm concerned about. Mm. <laughs> yeah, so so good that you don't review it in a way that you could even get better. Yeah, you know, I do watch it though because the video, our, our editor, Mariah, like she Who? does, Mariah. You're gonna have to bleep that out. Am I? Okay. But uh, she adds she adds a lot to the video. A hundred percent. The yeah, experience the, is superior. I'm just going to say that. I Well, and you and I are biased too. We're YouTube people, but there are yeah. purists. There are people that like podcasts. They like that sure. medium. Sure. I like it too, but by far and away, YouTube is my favorite way to consume anything, really. Like, I, I, that's how I learn things. That's how... Um, I have noticed lately Google has gotten worse with like my search terms. Okay. Um, you know, I was one of those people that back in the day I would go six pages deep on Google to find extra stuff. Wow. And now, you know, if you can't find it in the first page or two, everything after that's just pure garbage. True. Um, so I still look like Google used to not really, at least I couldn't find it used to not have an end to the search pages. Yeah. You know, there might be 50 something pages. Yeah. For your search term and you could go through all of them and trust me, I probably did on huh. some. Now, there's a a pretty brief list of pages now hmm. on a lot of the search terms. On, there might on only the, be 3. On the web search, do you ever go beyond page 1? Yeah. Really? That's what I'm saying. On oh, the web search I would YouTube. go multiple pages. Yeah, sorry, not YouTube, but on the web pages, I was cuz I would want to find a lot of information, not yeah. just, I I took a course in college. Um, I was in, I think it humble, was- a, Humble brag. This no, guy, no, no. This I guy think, went to college, everybody. Yeah. yeah. I think, <laughs> you want to know this not guy's a college humble guy. brag? <laughs> like I changed my major two or three times and uh, didn't graduate. This so. guy thought he could do everything. Yeah. Humble, yeah. humble brag. No, <laughs> we learned some, I did learn things at college though. Great. It was amazing. <laughs> Congratulations. So in this business 101 class, we had this dude, he was kind of a uh, just kind of this nonchalant looking, you know, had a roundabout, kind of a bald guy, you know, mm -hmm. very unsuspecting, very successful man. Mm -hmm. My professor brought him in to kind of teach us some things. And he was teaching us about search terms and um, basically how to get to the top. Yeah. Those first two pages in, yeah. in Google. And he's like, He's like, it's no secret. He's like, I'll share it all with you today. And he did. And he's like, the secret is I sit down one day a month. I bring a bottle of Mountain Dew and a bag of Doritos. And he's like, I create companies and businesses that are sister companies to the business I already have. Okay. And he's like, I make sure that my companies are the companies that fill the first two pages of Google. Okay. So even though they look like people have choices, their only choice is to go buy through me. And this guy sold wheatgrass. He's wow. like, he's like, I know I don't look like I eat wheatgrass because he was a little heavier. You know, he's a rounder yeah. fella. 
And he's like, this was actually my sister's idea. She started this company with a $400 credit card and out of her garage. Wow. And that's so, amazing. Yeah. Anyway, you, the, this, huh. he would create basically these organic links through forums, uh, YouTube, et cetera, anywhere he could kind of post a link that would forward people along to that. Yeah. And he would do that enough on one day a month that he would create these leads and then Google would would see those and it would pop him in the top of the search That's terms. amazing. There's entire careers centered around helping companies reach the top because- Well, I just gave you a sweet little secret, folks. You did, you did. I um, had to go to college for that. <laughs> I, had to, I had to pay for that information. The reality is in my mind, if you are not on the front page, first page of Google search results, you don't exist. The one exception is I have a, I have a bookmarked search that I, visit periodically mm -hmm. and it's basically additive manufacturing and or or additive manufacturing or 3d printing and then type star pdf so basically it's a search for and then, then it's it's sorted as like what's new so it's a search for what you, you PDFs, get to see how it's changing because yeah. you check on it enough and specifically pdfs what pdfs are being scraped by google in this industry and it helps me keep most up to date mm. around like a lot of different presentations that people are doing so that's your secret it's one of my that's secrets. nice i'm i'm a goal for 2023 of mine is to keep less of my secrets to myself mm. it's very hard because it's like my edge you know it's like how does this guy always have this that's your ip I have secret. Everyone has these like their secrets, their tricks. Their it's edges. hard to give it up, isn't it? Especially it when is. you dug for it, you worked for it. Yeah. You understand what it took to get the information to yeah. harvest it. Yeah. And then you're just going to give it away to someone who didn't have to harvest it. Will they appreciate it the same as you? Well, is that part of the reason? That's the hope is you can scale the results, you know? So ah. in, the, in the context of a team, that's important, right? What leadership? I'm trying. What leadership, I'm trying. Tyler? I'm That's trying. cool. I like that. Yeah. So all my little a new and improved my, you. my tips and tricks are coming out. Good. Yeah. Good. Uh, well, do you have any uh, apologies you want to make to um, you know any particular groups of people? Uh, you know, since we're starting the year off kind of fresh. Well, you, you know, know, it sounds like you're improving some things. I just wondered if maybe there was some self reflection that led to. Uh, you know? Yeah. The answer is yes. But as you're asking me this question, I'm thinking, this is not the first time I've been asked this question. And I'm wondering. <laughs> not by me. No. Well, yeah. It, <laughs> but first time for on me. On this pod. No, on this pod. I've, I felt like I've been. Um, Have like I asked this before? A, a, oh, my god! A, a carpet's been laid out and it's like an apology <laughs> carpet. And like you're laying it out. Is he going to take it? And I'm just wondering, like, does that have to become. Did it a ever segment? work? Has it worked yet? I have apologized. To I, who? Kind of. That's hmm. that's in the past. We don't have to revisit it. What's in the it. past? I don't know. But <laughs> so uh, the Canada, <laughs> Canada. <laughs> I owe I owe you an apology. Look at that. He's looking in the camera and everything. I am looking in the camera. Do it one more this time. This is not the. Have Get you seen serious. The, have you seen the new Nvidia thing where they'll oh yeah the eye contact thing? So like yeah, like right it now it glitches out though sometimes. Right now I'm looking directly at you. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually really cool. It is kind of eerie. But it's don't, not, no, no, I no, no, no. Let's not detract right now. Okay. Let's not, let's talk about Canada. Okay. So Canada, some of our most loyal print heads reside in Canada, born and bred in Canada, speak all the Canadian languages mm -hmm. and they love us. So I love them back. That's great. That's great. Why are you telling me you should be telling the listeners? I For am. the YouTube I, I, people, he, he was looking directly at me. But okay. anyway, oh, you're going to do this again? No, okay. I'm good. I'm, All good. Right. I'm good. I think that's as good as we can get anyways. So uh, Canada jumped into the number two spot for our listenership, which we've had lots of listeners from across the yeah. pond, all over the place. I met some last week. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. We're going to, I think this will be kind of the theme of the episode because we're just coming off the tail end of the Stratasys global partner summit. So they brought yes. in 400 or so people from all around the world. 
to learn what's new, you know, like kind of recap the last year, like a whole bunch of stuff. But that's like, that's our audience. That is I, our I, audience. I don't, I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah. Like partners, if you're listening, thank you for listening. Um, I, I, I hope that there are others that get value out of this too, besides well, just sure. people sure. within, within the industry. I want to get the fringe people. I want to get, well, and we'll talk about this more in the episode, but we're going to talk about our goals for kind of this year, how we're going to change things. You've already kind of started with a clean slate. You've apologized to Canada. Yeah. Um, you are giving away some of your secrets, which I think is really cool. I'm on a roll today. Actually. Yeah, you're killing it. But I do want people to feel like we're talking directly to them on many different levels. And I think that we are really well positioned to do that for the users of the equipment that we use, right? So that's really heavily weighted towards Stratasys, um, but it's everyone else too, for sure. For myself, you know, if you're a first time listener or you're just coming to the podcast, you're just finding us, like our background is really like as DIYers in yeah. most everything that we do. Absolutely. You and I are both similar in the sense that we try to tackle pretty much every job for ourselves. Um, I think something unique about my experiences, and I actually want to talk about this later in the pod too, is the way I found Stratasys or industrial 3D printing. I won't even say Stratasys. Yeah. Just industrial 3D printing was really through this job. So the sad part about that is I was in an engineering role for five plus years prior to this job. So what did I miss? Yeah, true. Um, why didn't I know? True. Uh, I had a good, good friend that I, I worked with in at a company and then in parallel at two sister companies. And he ended up getting a job at Mark Forged. I've talked about him in past episodes and he's since moved on to other kind of adjacent industries. But really that was my first even inclination that there were these industrial 3d printers yeah. and at the time i didn't even understand that mark forged was marketed as an industrial printer it still seemed just like a nice benchtop machine to me yeah they went through a really fascinating transition over the period of a few years where they kind of emulated the kia move i think where they changed they changed their class of machine through uh various ways like it's in the hardware it's in this it's in the delivery of the hardware but it's also just in the messaging and the marketing um it goes it's in tandem you know and the pricing i saw something the other day about kia that was like one of the most popular google search terms was yes what's the kn car <laughs> yeah because they changed their logo and it looks yeah. like a k and an n yeah but you which know. is kind of fascinating because i love it if if you if you have one perspective you're like well this is obviously a, a poor logo change because no one knows what it is. Yeah, you're like, this marketing team did a terrible job yeah. or this, this industrial design team or whatever. But on the other hand, the engagement is through the roof, which means marketing did exactly what they were asked to do. Right, and it, it is, you, it's almost better that people are Googling what's KN. Yeah. They see that, that there's a brand change, there's been a shift, yeah. they might see. Right. I'm actually going to bring this into the conversation. This is not 3D printing related, but it's Kia related. I went to the auto exposition here okay. um, that was just, uh, I think, a week ago. Yeah. Looked at all the new cars, was super pumped. I actually took one for a test drive, enjoyed the heck out of it. The most impressive car at the auto expo. What? Guess. Um, I don't know. Kia. Maybe. Minivan. Minivan. Kia minivan. Kia minivan. Okay. okay. Like I am not a minivan guy by any means, but yeah, at this point I could probably be convinced. Yeah. I don't got kids. I don't have any reason to have a minivan besides maybe pull the rear seats out and put a motorcycle in it. But like that car was the most impressive thing at the show. Isn't what, that weird? What, why, why is that? What did it, what about it? I mean, minivans are to me have always been a little surprising, right? The form factor is very utilitarian on the interior the exterior not utilitarian at all they're not typically yeah. they don't have the cool factor of an suv because yeah. it's like body on frame it's more like a truck right a chevy tahoe or chevy suburban that's like like if i'm gonna drive a yeah. family car or a ford excursion sure you know sure but 
minivan's never been in that ballpark, but the more I'm like, gosh, but the form factor really is like, yeah, I mean, the floors go all the way to the road. The, like, u- the usability. There's so much space of a minivan is unparalleled. No one can match the utility, the usability of a minivan. I think the issue is the stereotype of who drives a minivan. It's basically soccer moms. That's that's like the stereotype, right? Yeah. And half the population or, or non-car people or non-car people who don't people, care yeah. about cars. You have like half the population or more that's like, I don't want, I'm not part of that stereotype. I don't want to be mm. seen as that stereotype. So I mm-hmm. think that they had like a customer problem, you know? This is part of, this is going to flow nicely into our conversation. They, I, Because I, I agree, there is a customer problem. But I mean, I'm a, I would say that I'm a car guy. Mm-hmm. I really like automotive and I respect the heck out of what they're doing with the minivan. Yeah. I think they've done some things with exterior styling that make it because there's no reason why it has to look so dull. Sure. You know what I mean? Totally. Totally. Like they, there are things they can do with marketing and I think whatever, that they're and they can that. make a shift. I think they're improving that. Okay. Don't you? I, I think cars like that make a big difference. Yeah. I think there's still people that are going to balk at it. No one's going to look at the inside because they're like, it's still a minivan. Yeah. But man, I'm telling you, if they had a minivan that had like some ramps, some hideaway ramps in yeah. it or something, and yeah. you could fit, you know, motorcycles or a four wheeler or something in there. And they started marketing it as like not only like a mom car, but this is a utility mm-hmm. vehicle. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Because yeah. most cars, I mean, it's perfect. It's a perfect road going car. It drives like a car. It gets good fuel economy. It's streamlined. Totally. And uh, it just makes sense. I, I sound like I love minivans, but I'm telling you, I don't. But this thing kind of changed my mind. Um, it's anyway. Not, it's not the first time I've heard that this year, by the way. Yeah. they're. I, I think minivans are up and coming. Yeah. I mean, uh, Chrysler had a minivan there that was really cool uh interior wise but exterior it's Mm -hmm. it's a caravan you Mm -hmm. know it just looks like a minivan has always looked interior was it blew my mind amazing anyway that's (laughs) not the point of this thing but it is interesting that we're talking marketing and the the customer base because uh you know we we also go engineer uh sell software engineering tools primarily solidworks Mm -hmm. right I think SolidWorks did a good thing back in the day where they marketed to education. Absolutely. Right. They got into schools. They got into high schools. I had it in high school. Did you? No. You didn't have it? I didn't even Poor touch. Guy. I didn't even touch a CAD tool. Until, you went to like a 5A school. I know. Mm. 5A means mm. we were the largest high school in Utah uh, the year I graduated. Oh, really? Uh-huh. 3A for me. Yeah. Graduating class of like, I think 300 people. Yeah. You, did you have a horse pasture? There were 600 people that didn't did graduate. You, did you have no, horses in the middle of your track and field? Oh, area? yeah, the 4-H club. <laughs> they all came through with their livestock yeah. and everything. Uh, no, I didn't actually touch the CAD until I started at uh, university. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. By the well, way, I always started before. I have something in my head about that word college. I try to avoid saying it at all times. What do you want to do? Higher education? You no, already I, always say, I say university. Okay, whatever. It's just a weird thing. Okay. Yeah. Well, regardless, that was a that was a a good move by I think Macintosh did it too, right? Like Apple. Yeah. In third grade, those computers were in my third grade classroom. We had we would not have had exposure to that. We had apples from you know as far back as I can remember, which is probably second grade taking t- taking uh, they had like the keyboarding class colors yeah remember that do you think they even teach keyboarding any longer or do they just assume that people are born with a keyboard in their hands <laughs> i don't know i don't know but then we had yeah the imax mm-hmm. that were translucent yeah. and had all the funky colors uh-huh i think it's a great play for it's companies huge. to market to education it's huge um no that i know of no 3d printer printer company is really doing that and i feel like it's a missed opportunity yeah it's hard to it's hard to know for certain you know i i there is an effort to put printers in public spaces and including universities and libraries elementary schools libraries things like that uh do you have a scenario where like the broad market 
and who's adopted what is different in education? Like, has someone really penetrated in education to a higher degree? Or is it like whatever machines that you see broadly, you see them also in education? Like, is there a difference? I don't know. that. I don't know the answer to that. Does that make sense? It's mm. like, is there, was there a company that put a ton of effort and focus on, on EDU and, in, was, in, and was successful? Yeah. I mean, well, just in general, no, Apple, I'm, SolidWorks. Oh, I'm talking about printers. Okay. I'm talking no. about 3D printers. And, and I think there's a few reasons for that. Like maybe it's because the market's flooded with these desktop machines yeah. and you can get them from anywhere. So yeah. I think like entry level, you know, for a library to pick up a couple $200 machines or something, it's like, it's yeah. so simple. It's dead simple. Funding and, and pricing plays a key role as to, into what machines you're going to see. For sure. Like we yeah. do sell, we do sell Stratasys machines into schools, but to get one into a school that's K through 12 is really difficult. Sure. So let me ask you, like after you own a printer at home, right? Have you built one before? I have never built. A okay. Printer. But we have talked about you would. I would. And well, this is, let's not get yeah, into that. Yeah, yeah. We, already had into a, that. we already had that deep discussion. Yeah. Yeah. So it, what I saw is all of us were working with open chassis benchtop machines, you know, and that went from job to job to job because it's all we knew. I did have a job where we had a cube pro. Uh, I think it was a three 3d systems FDM machine. It was you know, I know there are good 3D systems machines, but I think the world can all agree. And I don't feel bad for saying this. That thing was a turd. Mm -hmm. it, it was so bad that when I got online and got on forums to try and fix it, there was not a good word to be said about them. Yeah. Um, but that being said, that was the closest to industrial machine I had. And it was more unreliable than the benchtop machines. So I had this kind of, this was my personal experience, but I had this kind of mixed up view of like, well, this machine was $3,000 and it was worse than these others that were a few hundred bucks. Yeah. Plus I have the ability to buy Amazon material, whatever for these other ones. Why would I do anything else? Yeah. And in fact, here's, this is going to sound totally silly too. Um, you're so absorbed in your job roles and your job focuses that you're not like you're not 3D. You're not a 3D printing expert, right? You're expert in the machine you have and the materials you have access to and the places you've shopped for materials. Amazon, for example, I didn't even know you could print ABSs, nylons, PEC based materials like yeah. that would have opened up a lot of opportunity. But like I just didn't know it was possible. Uh, with any machine, let alone the ones I had. So are we failing? Does Stratasys fail? Do Does big printing fail? Or does like industrial 3D printing fail to capture the imaginations of like younger engineers or entrepreneurs? Are we failing? It's, it's, so it's it's honestly pretty interesting that you bring that up. You know, during the summit last week there was a time period where we had just like this open forum to talk about what's working well what's not working well and one of the uh areas of discussion that i brought up and i was most passionate about was essentially the exact almost word for word question that you just <laughs> posed to me like are we capturing the imagination of our potential users you know to me, honestly, like what we do here in the pod actually has a lot of importance. It's really important to me. And I choose to remain in this line of work because I do believe that the technology that we work with is one of maybe one, two, three different technologies that are emerging through our lifetime that have the potential to make significant impact on the world as a whole, you know? AI is one of those, there's other things, but 3D printing absolutely is one of those. And it's, I feel very strongly that it's the technology that I feel most prepared to um, make an impact with and like help connect the technology to its users. Because at the end of the day, we have engineers, we have designers, we have all sorts of people who are working on their own problems that are 
of significant important importance to them. Mm -hmm. And 3D printing is just a tool that's available to them, but they don't necessarily know that that tool is available to them. So when you look at and you you say like we're in Lawrence Livermore, and the people who had the fusion breakthrough, that team, they were limited by the tools that have been available to them for 50 years. They had an idea. They had a theoretical possibility. It took 50 years for the technology to catch up. And so it's incredibly important that people who are working on the hardest problems in the, in the world or any problem in general, that they have the best, that they are using the best tools available. And I feel very strongly that 3D printing broadly is, is that right tool for a lot of people. And we've attached ourselves to certain uh, manufacturers of that equipment. And we've made that decision based on their ability to put their money where their mouth is and like provide the best solutions on an ongoing basis. So it's, it's honestly really important, but people have to be shown that the tool exists and have some excitement and you have to get their hands on that tool. You know what I mean? And yeah. I do think that there's people out there who listen to our pod or consume other types of, of media. And you're, this is an opportunity to show them or at least like put something in the back of their head. Like we think, we think this product or we think this solution is awesome. Um, and we're excited about it. Can we transfer that excitement to you? And I don't think that we've done a great job of that. Um, and I can go into more specifics. It's like instances where I think we, there was a miss. And, uh, but this is one of my, uh, if there's like one or two things that I want to focus on this year, it, that's it. Like s spreading, Converting that, spreading that excitement. excitement. Okay. Spreading that excitement. Yeah. And I think there's one thing and, and I don't know, like we have a producer here that sh she doesn't give us too much feedback. She chops up our videos and makes them look really good. But does our excitement come through when we're stoked about something? Totally. It does? Yeah. You mean it? You guys are lively. I love it. Right. Okay. Cool. That's Cause good. Cause like I, I feel like I'm a pretty genuine person. Like I don't I don't tend to I, I'm not a good actor. Yeah. Not a not a good liar. And like I think it comes through when I'm talking about printers and like certain customers like they that engage with that, like it's exciting. And there are some things coming down the pipe that like that, that could be that exciting. And I think we can relay that, but on a daily basis, like we should remain excited about industrial printing and we take it for granted yeah, a lot of do. times. And that's, that's the risk of being in the, in the industry for so long is you start to lose that fascination. Yeah. And, and I, st I still have it. Yeah. I, you know, and it's funny that here's, here's a bummer and I'm going to call Stratasys out for this. Okay. Can I, you don't know what I'm going to say, but I I'm going to do no it. Idea, but we I can bleep it out if it's too bad, but like, I think a huge miss was getting rid of the F120. Okay. I think that's the biggest mistake Stratasys has made because I know that the focus is on big customers and big verticals and you know, this is something that we thought about a lot more during the partner meeting because it is a primary focus and it should be like these are the big dogs, you know, uh, automotive manufacturing, aerospace manufacturing. But like not everybody works for aero an aerospace company. Yeah. Or SpaceX. Right. You know, like there are millions of engineering firms out there or hundreds of thousands just in the U.S. that need industrial printing that right now. They don't even know it exists. Yeah. I know because I've been in those companies and these are companies with, uh, I worked for a company with over 800 patents, like the company that invented the industrial diamond, right? An entire industry yeah. like revolves around these inventions. Like we didn't use industrial printing right there. Right. And, and you, but you would have, you guys invested heavily in equipment. We had tons of printers and we had interns basically fixing them nonstop. Mm -hmm. So, like, I'm, I'm just throwing that out there because to me, the F-120, like, there's this huge flipping gap between a benchtop machine and industrial machine. And I hate that. Right. But it, it does need to be that big because it is vastly different. Like, the processes, if you boil them down, are essentially the same of FDM, right? Right. right. Um, 
But a mid-grade machine, a prosumer model, I will never tell someone to buy one. If someone comes to me and, hey, man, like I'm looking to upgrade, I want to spend four or 5,000 bucks, I just tell them don't. Yeah. Because like you can either soup up your current machine and you're going to spend two or three grand less doing that and have probably an equivalent and maybe even easier machine to work on and get parts for than hitting that middle of the road thing. Stratus has had the F120 for what, like 10 to 12 grand? Wasn't yeah, it? it was it, right in that price range. Yeah, dude, what a miss. Totally. Like the F170 and the, and the 123 series, they've got, they or they started with four machines, right? They had the 120, 170, 270, 370, and they all had, you know, they stepped up on build volume. Um, and they're, they're amazing machines. We love ours. We love our F370. And if it were me and I was buying a machine with my own money, the likelihood is it's going to be an F123 series machine. But dropping the F120 instead of like the F170, for example, same build volume. 170 has a 10-inch cube. The yeah. 120 had a 10-inch yeah. cube. Yeah, there's some differences there. And, and I'm not going to go way into it, but like that was our chance. They, so you think to that bridge they, the gap, it was the entry point, right? Like they cut off the, the bridge or the entry point. That's what they you're saying. totally cut it yeah. off. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm a little resentful right I can now, tell. actually. I can tell. Um, but I think I'm that resentment is just there because it's like, dudes, it's missed opportunity. These are my people over here that are on the other side of the gap that y'all are keeping out because of your focus on these primary verticals. Well, yeah as a salesperson or as anything like now I want access to all the people where I've been, you know, that, that were like how I was. Yeah. Cause they have the need, the needs there. They just don't know. Right. And I think it starts with education if we can get in there marketing wise, but marketing in general is just kind of, I don't know, a fail. I'm not a marketing professional. Yeah. I just know like, I'm Googling 3D well, printing stuff all the time and I never get an ad from Stratasys. I never get sure. an ad from Go Engineer marketing Stratasys. I don't know where we're failing. Yeah, I, I have seen Go Engineer um, ads, have you? but okay. pretty rarely. And, you know, it's tough though because you're talking about a organization which has been very successful in selling business to business. And now you're yeah. asking them to act like a consumer oriented business and you're trying to, and I think effectively, mm -hmm. successfully argue that it's important that there's a consumer presence as well. Um, but it's very different. So the people who are great at one thing are not going to be great at another thing because everything's so different. And what you're saying you felt like is a miss is right in line with what I feel like is a miss too. You know, going back to the early 2010s. Stratasys jumps into the consumer market by purchasing MakerBot. The miss here is maintaining that MakerBot name. Immediately what they should have done is rebranded it as a Stratasys product and worked to, which they did, but they and migrate that technology, the higher end technology into the lower end product, but maintain that brand identity. Mm. Because I don't know. I like the insulative barrier between the two. I don't because if you're using a MakerBot tool, you're using a MakerBot tool and you're, you're, you're growing a brand loyalty to MakerBot. And unless it's very obvious that the two companies are the same, you're not building any sort of imagination and desire towards the next level. In fact, you may think I have the best MakerBot available. What's next? And you don't, you go out and you search for everything. That's what's next. Uh -huh. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's an interesting so, point. Huge miss. It's one of the reasons why I think Mark Forge has been able to successfully bridge that gap from consumer to industrial because the name never changed. It was a Mark Forge tool. You had a lot of people using the tool. They grew some loyalty to that tool. And then they were offered. But that oh, was this a, is the, this that is was the a bottom up. up build, though. True. But you could have you could have gone the other way. No, no. Doubt. I don't think so. You would have been way ahead because you already had the great technology to make the lower end tool, the entry level tool superior mm -hmm. so I, I would say that's a miss and now now I, we have I, ultimate I, I disagree with you and i'll tell you why in a minute okay when you're done okay cool so now you have this merging of MakerBot and ultimaker which is even a step in ultimaker the, in, maker yeah ultimaker ultimaker which is a step in the other direction so i don't know um but you're right like we use these tools or we see other people's using using these tools and we start to dream like wow what if i 
What if I worked for a company that had those tools? Or what if my company had those tools? You start to envision it and that that vision is the first step towards a reality. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so that vision is the most important step. If the vision never happens, if that excitement never happens, then the step that's two years, three years, four years down the road never happens, which is what I'm saying is essentially like what they were, what the strategy is with getting into EDU. Yeah. And it's the same strategy that every software company, it's the reason why they go into EDU because EDU is the seed for the influencers and the the TikTokers uh, of the world. No, sorry, influencers not in that sense, but the influencers like say you're you're a star in the university lab, you get a sure. job. Okay. You get a job, you're going to become a decision maker. You're going to be making the decisions like what equipment do I use? Well, I have experience with this. Anytime you have a positive experience with something, that goes right to the top. And that becomes the benchmark for everything else. Right? I agree. I agree with everything in fact that you've said. Um, just shifting thoughts a little bit and getting back to like the insulative barrier that I'm talking about. It's not that Stratasys didn't have the, the capability to improve a prosumer model, but then it does, you know, if it gets so good, it does start to infringe on the bottom end. Yeah. Industrial systems, which totally. I, I can imagine, you know, this is business me, like why you wouldn't want to do that. Right. But like the gap is, is huge. I do think a prosumer model, having used them, they're just not that great. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Um, I'm okay with them, you know, filling a need for people, you know, to have a better, nicer machine. But I think the buck stops there and it should because I don't want there to be this gray area between that and a, an industrial machine. Like right now it's very clear, right? But there's also a very clear price gap. What are, what are some of the differentiators? Reliability. The reliability would be, would be my number one. Reliability is for sure for me, number one. So when I print here, I've said this before, when I have a project personal or otherwise, when I print here, I have zero anxiety. Yeah. I've got none. I can start a print and drive home. I live 25 miles away from the office. No problem. I know I, when I come back to work in the morning, it's either still printing or it's going to be done. I never worry that it's going to be broken down or that yeah. I have to fix it, which yeah. that's a whole other topic. Like totally, the maintenance totally. and having someone else work on the system is another thing, right? It's fantastic. You're offloading the burdens yep. that come with printing. Um, but that's not even what I want to talk about. I just want to talk about the, the main difference being reliability parts access, the yeah. fact you don't have to work on it. You're not turning a wrench on your own machine anymore. So there's there's a uh, palpable like objective gap between these two classes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I really like mm -hmm. what Stratasys did in building that 120 mm -hmm. because it was essentially made of the same parts yeah. and hardware right. as the 370, the 270, the, the machines that were above it. It had some limitations, which I actually thought were kind of brilliant because some of them weren't limitations if you looked at it through the right lens like you could only buy those 200 cubic inch spools which a lot of you listening have never seen a spool that big yeah it's, it's huge it's big it's, and it's, it's, it's like as big as your printer basically yeah and you basically would set it on a desk like this and put two boxes of material under there one for, yeah. for the support and one for the material and it would take up the underneath yeah, of yeah, yeah. your machine but it's like that's extended runtime. That's time that I don't have to take to ch exchange materials, to change things out. I just know that it's going to run for a long time. It's like filling up a hundred gallon fuel tank on a truck or something. Like, you know, mm -hmm. you're going to get some miles out of it. Yeah. And it's nice. It's like, who likes going to the pump? Yeah. You know, so no one wants a 12 gallon tank and have to fill up two days a week, you know? So I liked that about it. It was a limitation because, right, you have to spend more on material up front, but it's a one-time deal. Sure. And then you're printing sure. for a long time. And then print volume-wise, a 10-inch cube is it's good pretty size. generous. Yeah, it's really this good This shoe size. would print in there, no problem. Oh, yeah. Ten, I mean, 10 inches is larger than what you need for a broad-purpose machine. Right. I mean, and then right. you start talking diagonals. Yeah. 
corner to corner, you get even so, more. I think the only thing we disagree on is uh, the, the naming of of it. I I'm I feel pretty strongly that the branding should have been consistent, and we if you if we had ten years of that consistent branding, then I think we'd be in a different or even like MakerBot by Stratasys. I think they did they did a little bit of that. They did a little bit of that, but who pays attention to that? I do. I totally do. <clears throat> yeah. On on other brands of of products, whether it be sporting goods or whatever else, like I I do like to see that. Do you? Yeah. I just it I, does make it feel a little off brandy, but at least I know that the core is like, hey, this is either coming from their factories, their engineers, like they're utilizing resources that they that trickle down from this superior product. Yeah, but but there is this sense of a disconnect, which too. I like. See, I don't like it. Okay. I don't like it. Okay. That's, well, that's just a yeah. difference in opinion. Sure. Sure. Um, so we, but what we both agree on is that there maybe could, there could be some tweaks to marketing and or product line that could help us break into those. Totally. Other markets and just an awareness. Awareness is huge. Is that what this pod's about? It could be. I don't know. It, it definitely could be. Yeah. Are we spreading it's, it's the good word? <laughs> are you talking about like the pod in general just the existence of go additive yeah yeah it should be and this year i think it, I, i'll be more uh intentional about that so tell me i mean since we're talking about that like what what are your goals for the year for the pod what are some things we're going to break out what are new things we're going to do what are things we've done we're going to do better what do you got yeah 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 so what are your ideas um our print heads will know that i've always been anti guest <laughs> for various reasons. You know, I do have a serious gripe about the state of podcasts as basically marketing platforms for guests, which is so ironic because here we so are ironic. talking know, about Stratus. And that's fine. You know, it, it exposes people to more things. And I've learned a ton from guests of all other podcasts. So there's a place for that. Mm -hmm. But you and I always have this vision for this pod as basically a conversation between two people. And that brought a level of authenticity and realness to a space that, you know, kind of has a, an issue with that. So we've been very successful with that. And in the, we've denied people who asked to be on our pod multiple times because it wasn't in line with that goal. But on the other hand, there is this need to connect with the print heads and potential print heads, future print heads in the future and have that interaction uh, broaden the scope of it. And we kind of do this on one hand through the YouTube of the day, right? When we talk about YouTube of the week or day, whatever, uh, <laughs> we, we're kind of divulging like what interests us and that captures a lot of other people and broadens awareness of that type of person. Yeah. So what's going to happen this year is we're going to kind of bridge those two. Okay. So I don't know how this is going to look and what the time span is, but our YouTube of the week is going to come here into the recorder recording studio. Okay. And we're going to be very specific. Our YouTube of the week is all over the place. Yeah. But what I would like to see is bring some of these YouTubers into the studio, into our lab, show them our equipment, talk about what's great about it, talk about what's not so great about it. My guess is that most of them have not seen the, the uh, a Stratasys machine in person. They've not seen an exact metal machine in person or whatever, and they have not definitely not seen like all of the different technologies all in one place. Polyjet, DLP, powder jet fusion, um, laser powder bed fusion, FDM, all in one place. They have not seen that. So this, this will be valuable to both of us. We bring them in, show them the technology, whatever, offer to help them with some projects, and then sit them down in the recording studio and just have a conversation about them. You know what I mean? Like, we're fascinated by you. We could probably even point to an episode where we talked about you. Tell us more about you and uh, share that with everyone. I think that will be huge huge, huge, huge in leveraging our strengths and uh, 
broadening the awareness through the people who we invite in, like they have, they're influential in their own way, you know, probably yeah. actually a lot more influential than us. So by far, I think, I think that's a win-win. It's a scenario. selfish thing a little, right? And that's, what's fun about it. And you'll sense that from us. Like we're yeah. excited, we're excited. We'll be excited with, with people that we have. And, uh, it's, it's going to be fun for us. I think so. It will be like meeting our heroes in some way. I don't want to do that. I don't, I don't, I don't want to. <laughs> Did that raise a bunch of red flags when I said that? Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Because you, you do setting, sometimes you're setting yourself and it's up a little sad. Yeah. You're, and you have these elevated expectations, right? And you can't, no one can fulfill those. Well, and my expectations are relatively low. Like I, I do have an expectation for like their production quality or whatever else, because I've gotten used to that. But this is a totally different deal. And they could be any number of things. And I think that's the the cool part is oh, yeah. hopefully they relate or are like some of our print heads, some of our listeners where it's like, wow, like I haven't heard that perspective. I've been listening to Tyler and Tate talk so much. Yeah, I don't yeah, yeah. get this new, fresh, you know, impactful type of thinking. Yeah. So I, I want that for our listeners. And I think it's exciting. It's going to be way exciting. We're going to have a ton of fun with it. And it was kind of born out of this, this, uh, at least getting the green light for something like that came out of last week and having all of that energy <laughs> and seeing in real life, like Stratasys is huge. And then a lot of people listen to the pod, they consume the pod and there's some talk about that. And I think enough people caught on to that where it's like, how do we, how do we squeeze a little bit more juice out of the, out of the pod? Yeah. That's, that's one of the best ways I, I can think of. Yeah. And, and I want to be a resource, you know, all the, all the material that I consume, whether through YouTube or podcasts is like, those are resources to me. It's an information bank. It's I'm getting some value from it. So as a standalone podcast, whether you're buying a printer or not, building a printer, going into engineering, you know, I hope that we are a resource to folks, not only in the industry, but people yeah. looking into the industry or or anything basically yeah. 3D printing or fabrication related. Yeah. So I'm excited for that. That's going to be a change this year. Um, I don't know if this will be a change for the pod, but, you know, one of the big takeaways that I, you know, I left with last week was all of the opportunity that is on the opposite end of the spectrum. You know, as many machines that we do sell to aerospace and automotive OEMs and multi-billion dollar med device companies, like we're still just barely touching the surface in all of those. And those are the people who are already positioned to make the most of the technology. So how can we develop even more industry specific solutions and put them in front of the right people? Are there specific areas of like red tape in aerospace and oil and gas that's preventing people from using the printers? And how do we get past that? And like, how do we penetrate deeper into those use cases that have already proven themselves, but for one reason or another, don't have the mass adoption yet. So diving deeper into there and offering as much value as we can on, on the opposite end of the spectrum, right? The, the companies who are investing hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars into the printers, how do we make sure that they're confident that it's the right choice and it's the right choice moving forward? And if whatever we can do in this pod or outside the pod, that's, that's a big area of focus too. Yeah. I'm, I'm pumped for this year. We're kind of cleaning house a little yeah. bit this episode, letting you all know what's coming. Um, I do have, <laughs> so speaking of guests, uh -huh. quick story. Okay. You and I experienced this together and I feel yes, like the print did. heads need to know about this. It's, it's a fun story. There's two things with this story because one, Jeb doesn't want to be Jeb anymore. Jeb oh, wants a new name. Really? Jeb is sick and tired of being Jeb. Too bad, so sad. I know. That's kind of <laughs> what I thought. I was like, Jeb just wants recognition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Jeb gets all the recognition they can they can get here. I agree. Um, <laughs> so we're at the marketing 
or, or the partner meeting, the global partner meeting, and who walks up to us? None other. The, the father of 3D printing. Of FDM. Of FDM, which there's an argument that we've got, we have a whole episode on the history and the timeline, but there's an argument to call him the father of 3D printing, but definitely the father of FDM. The guy who invented what we're talking about yes. every day. Yes. Or every pod, I should say. Well, we do talk about it every yeah. day, but we're recorded yeah. once a week yeah, or yeah. so. He walks up to us and starts hanging out with us and talking to us. And what does Jeb do? And you and I are like kind of, this is so funny because I feel like we have pretty good awareness. Yes. You know, but of course I feel like that. I'm biased, but yeah. like I feel like we have pretty decent social awareness. We're not going to talk about our podcast. Like, Right. We need so much more clout. Do you know I'm a podcaster? <laughs> yeah. Like I don't talk about it with my friends, let alone here comes the founder of the technology who we have a podcast about. Yeah. I'm like scared. I'm not saying anything. Yeah. Jeb goes, hey, so we have this podcast. These two actually host it. Do you want to be on it? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Almost, like and that's was, the first question. I was instantly. I was so shy. I was like, I was so embarrassed. I was so scared. And he. <laughs> He looks right at Jeb and says, not a big podcast guy. <laughs> and here's the thing. And then he walks away. That Yeah, he totally killed the the vibes and the opportunity to, you know, uh, <laughs> chat with, with Scott Crump there. But what he didn't do was he didn't follow it up and say, well, it's a video too. I don't think that would have done it. Wouldn't it wouldn't have worked, I don't but think he at least should have done that. Yeah. I, <laughs> so we got denied by the father of 3D printing and it didn't feel good. I, it was like, it was so, it was so, it wasn't cringy. I don't, the, the cringiest part was Jeb was so confident yeah. that like he was going to want to be on it. And I was like, we're not there yet, Jeb. Yeah. In my mind, I'm like, we're not there yet. Yeah. That's all I could keep thinking. And anyway, he turned us down. It was like getting shut down by a girl, like, but worse because yeah. then he walks off and Jeb looks at me and he's like, well, I guess no. We know how to get people to go away from this table. I know, right? <laughs> Just invite them to the like, podcast. Is that something we needed to find out? Like, oh my gosh! <laughs> but oh, here's how the thing, and I told him this: if he had said yes, we would have had a serious problem on our hands because I would have, I would have tried to stop it. I how would've. so? I would have. What would you have done? I would have said no. Sorry, Jeb invited you to our podcast, Scott Crump, inventor of FDM, <laughs> mm -hmm. but we don't want you on it. So go kick rocks. I would have phrased it a little bit differently. Please don't create a short <laughs> out of that <laughs> I know. because that can be so taken out of context. I know. Um, um, but here's the thing, like, uh, and actually that moment in time is what kind of pushed us into the conversation around like, do we have guests? Why don't we have guests? Et cetera, et cetera. If we had guests, what would it, it be? It was a stepping stone. It was a stepping stone, but that would have been the antithesis of at least my vision for what we do here. Um, yeah. Because it would have been really hard for that not to turn into a Stratus a promo, advertisement. A promo, mm -hmm. you know? And that's not what I want. If we could get him on and we could talk about the like, beginnings, the beginning, oh or some other thing that he wanted to talk about, like, what was a what was a point at any given time where you felt uncertain or what was something that you had done that you wish you did differently? Like and maybe he would have delivered that because he's he's not involved in the day to day very yeah. much anymore. He's in the board. He's, on, he's the on the board, board, you know, and things like that. But perhaps we could have gotten there and I would have raised a stink just to do it. I would have eventually been like, OK, let's have him on but it would have been prefaced with a conversation. And I think he actually would have appreciated that. I think so, but I don't know. I, one thing I don't, and, and this is to any future guest, this is to us, so we're accountable, but like, we don't wanna have guests on here that we think are just gonna go off on a tangent about their technology. Yeah. We really do wanna talk about them. We wanna <laughs> talk about their story. We wanna talk about kind of their, you know. Sure how they got familiar with the technology, whatever, like, and you've even mentioned, like, I don't even care if they talk 3d printing necessarily. I just want to get them to know yeah. them. Like we need some insight into these people. And so we need them to feel like we don't want an advertisement today. Yeah. <laughs> Cause we know our listeners don't want it. You know, we're already, 
you know, we're walking a tightrope already, as is with this podcast. Yeah. Working for a reseller and having a particular product we yeah. want to talk about and be fair with everyone. Um, and I, I'm as general as I can be a lot of the time. But yeah, today I. Yeah, I, I think we can achieve that. Number one, just through the selection of people, right? Mm-hmm. If you select people who are not going to be concerned about that then we don't have to be concerned about it coming up. You know what I mean? So if you start with the users, which is what we want to do, then they're never going to talk about that. And then if we do entertain other people and you know more decision makers or founders or something like that, then we do preface the conversation with like, this is what the goal is. Um, we will scrap the episode. We will scrap the episode. That would be. <laughs> We've scrapped enough of our own. We'll yeah, do it. There, there would be an agreement for sure. Like just because we're recording something doesn't mean it's going to air. And we will challenge you, you know, especially if you say something that uh, we disagree with. Like <laughs> it, it's this is not like a like a. Happy go lucky. All, all is well. Yeah, exactly. Peaches and cream. It's real. Yeah, it's real. And that's. Honestly, and then at the end of the day, like the technology speaks for itself. The solutions speak for itself. There's strengths and there's weaknesses with everything. And uh, it's all about just being comfortable with that. Yeah, for sure. So we start with users and then we'll, we'll see where it goes from there. I think those are some good goals for the year. Um, we got to wrap up this episode at some point, but you brought this banana of a shoe. <laughs> Tell us about what's going on here. Do you love this thing? I love this thing. Are you actually going to put that on your foot and wear it? Well, eventually, not right now. Okay. Um, so this is my very own Exact Metal branded. Oh my gosh! Nike Air Max with that. What a nerd! Beautiful you paid, yellow. You paid your own money to have that. Imprinted. This is actually a gift. Ah, it was you a see, gift. this is this is some BS. Why don't I have one? Well. Do, mm. do we mm. do we want to have like a, a trivia like Olympiad right now to see who's more deserving? Oh of this my thing? gosh! So there's not enough to go around. Is well, what, you're what would happen is you'd wear these and people. Those are would, my high school colors right there. Really? Yeah, it is a beautiful color. You know, these are these are going to be my trade show shoes oh, for gosh. this year. I hate that. I hate the trade show uniforms. Can so, I just tell you? Well, tight. You have to wear dark something. jeans and a sport coat over an unbuttoned. I don't polo. wear that. Oh, have you ever seen me worst. in a sports coat? No, thank goodness. Yeah. And I would say these are not a gift from Exact Metal. This is not like a paid promo. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> but this is a gift from a coworker. And uh, we work with Exact Metal a lot on this. Mm-hmm. So he wanted to give me a gift. And now, like I said, I did not buy these. These are now the nicest thing I own. So <laughs> Nice. All I, right. I'm ecstatic about it. That's cool. Well, thanks for uh, the show and tell there. Yeah. I am the shameless plug for exact metal. I, <laughs> I have a YouTube of the day. All right. Uh, this one's pretty cool. This is uh, his channel's called Grindhouse PE. Okay. And I haven't done enough research to know if that stands for professional engineer or something else. Okay. But this episode is called 3D Printed Sheet Metal Forming Part 2 custom dies and it looks like i've watched the whole video it's really cool he's got a z car that he's working on a nissan and he's making some sheet metal components for it he wants them to look more factory because if you've seen flat sheets get cut on the laser no matter how intricate your designs are there's just something about a 2d structure like when you pull it off there there's just nothing sexy about it no matter how cool your design is when you add some dimension to it, it changes things. And this is a perfect example of the capability of 3D printing. So he 3D prints this mold. I'm going to play just a little chunk. Pressed again. I think that that's money. I think that looks fantastic. Oh yeah. It looks good. (laughs) He's stoked about it. Oh, that's cool. (laughs) His energy definitely comes through. The dies actually look perfect. Oh, these are dimple dies. Yes. Got it. Oh, plus the logo die. That came out really good. Um, I know. It looks, it made the part look like a factory part instead of like, because there's two steps, right? You can hand grinder or, or cut something out of sheet metal. Mm-hmm. That's one look, mm-hmm. but the lines aren't perfectly straight. The corners aren't crisp, etc. There's another level, right? Laser cutting or even CNC plasma cutting, then laser cutting. 
but then depth, yeah. right? Some sheet metal forming. And it adds rigidity, so it's functional. Right. And this is next level because it just, and I have a thing for this. I have an affinity for production looking parts. Yeah. I always have, whether it's with my motorcycles or anything else. If I make something, I want it to have that factory kind of appeal to it. It shouldn't stand out. Yeah, it shouldn't look homemade. Yeah. Right? This, he used regular, uh, I think he just uses ABS. Uh, no, he uses like a tough PLA, I think, in this. Okay. So it's not even like a high-end material. And the corners, so he he basically, it's a dimple die of the letter Z. So for the folks who are listening on the podcast, it's the letter Z. It's, a, it's a couple millimeters deep. It's not very deep. But the overall XY dimensions are what? I mean, that's like probably 10 by six tops. Okay. okay. Probably a little smaller. So actually pretty sizable. Yeah. For a stamp. That's pretty big. Yeah, it's the size. His dies are the size of the palm of of or of size of your hand for sure. Okay. Like it's good size. Uh -huh. And this Z is a very. It has acute angles on it. Very yeah. acute angles. Tight, tight angles. So very sharp corners on the edges of the Z. Yeah. How do you deal with that? He didn't do anything. It was the coolest thing. He he even mentions like, hey, I added in. You know, he talks about the sheet metal tolerances. He left some room for the sheet metal, which you have to do with forming dies, but he didn't do anything special in the corners. He's like, I'm just going to see how it works. Does a press, comes out fantastic. I thought when I first saw the dies, I was like, maybe they're a little too shallow, but they're amazing. Um, it, the, the, the form that it made in the sheet metal is just enough. Yeah. Oh, it looks so good. That's awesome. And this, and he's, his excitement comes through. It's exactly like how I used to work when I was in R and D, like when we would test things out, that excitement reminded me of that, where it's like, when you get those little wins, you're like, I'm going to wing it. I'm going to try this thing. And yeah. just the payoff is huge. Yeah. <sighs> That's anyway, awesome. I so really how, love this one. What did he use to press? Uh, I believe he just used, uh, like a Harbor Freight H frame press. Okay. Uh, it looks like what it. I would have like It's a 20 ton press. So same oh, yeah. one. It's probably the, you and I both have one. in our I have an orange garage. one. I have oh, an I older got, orange one. Yeah. Yeah. I got one old piece of older Harbor Freight tooling. I, it's uh, orange. I put an air over hydraulic cylinder Ooh. on mine. Which is great. But for pressing, it's not the best because you, you need lose the tactile feel. function yeah. of it. And I don't even like, I like, uh, what is it? An Arbor press? Yeah. Um, those are the best for pressing bearings and stuff because you can I feel agree. when they're binding. I agree. Even with hydraulic, you lose a lot of that feel. Um, with air over hydraulic, yeah. it's non-existent. I shattered a <laughs> ring gear. With oh my mine. gosh! It was an expensive, that was probably scary. Expensive mistake. Oh, <laughs> and very scary. In fact, I shattered the cast plates that used to come with the old. Oh yeah, plates. Yeah, there was an issue with those exploding. That happened to me. Very frightening. Yikes! Very frightening. It doesn't surprise me that you push that machine to the max <laughs> at all. I know, I know, I know. Do you have so, a YouTube of the day for yeah, us? Yeah, I wish I came a little bit more prepared, but if you search DSLR, DSLR video shooter. Oh my gosh. And go to his page. Because his content is all very computer focused, but what I'm looking for is sometimes they'll have a link to a website that they maintain. The about? reason why, maybe about, yeah. Yeah. Oftentimes these Here guys will have a link to. He has an academy. Uh, Is that the page? No, usually they'll have like a link tree link where they have all their affiliate links and everything like that. But yeah, I'm Probably not sure. at the bottom of this. Maybe. So the reason why I'm bringing him up is that he's a totally separate industry. But he's starting to release his own products and they're all 3D printed. So he talks all about gear reviews and things like that for camp prosumer level camera stuff primarily. There's a scroll down a little bit, scroll down a little bit. That thing right there, that's a printed part. Oh, I can tell. DIY Rode Wireless Go My Cage. So click on that. He's either he's printing them or he's having them printed and he's selling them. And I think this is a perfect yeah, example. This is Caleb with DSLR Video Shooter, and this is the Go Lock. It is a 3D printed cage I designed for the Rode Wireless Go that adds the ability to lock your microphone in place, gives you protection Ooh, against fall damage, nice. allows you to stand your Go transmitter upright, and just looks cool with several different color options. Nice. How awesome is that? I like so that. So there is a perfect little example of 3D printing uh, allowing the imagination of someone to come to life without 
becoming an expert in manufacturing, you know? And so the value add is immense there because he has his hands on all of these products and he knows what products are missing, especially something like that that can be printed and provide just like a little bit more reliability to the customers is, is awesome. And he sells those for us like 30 something dollars a pop. Nothing. That's great. I so, like it. Yeah. I've seen a few of those uh, popping well, up. We maybe- have customers that are in this market and it's, it's, it's kind of like a small subset, uh, the audio video thing. Yeah. But it's enough to make a living off yeah. of. The thing That's is, so is cool. I, I see those and you can tell that they're, they're filament yeah. parts. Mm-hmm. And all I think is, man, just send those to a bureau to get them printed on an H350 or some powder nylon right. material. They look a lot better. They'll look so much better. They'll be stronger. They'll be more Isotropic. resilient, tougher. And you could make a year's worth in like one day. Sure. You know, easily one I day. I wouldn't know. I mean, I'm sure the the flexibility of revision is big for him. I guess that's true. That is so, true. You do lose that. You do lose that. But it's exciting. I, I love that. Yeah. Well, and that's that alone, great. That alone makes me want to talk to him. You know what I mean? Like, oh, okay. tell me, so tell this me about this idea. Future guest. What do you see the opportunity there, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah. Well, we got a big year ahead of us. Yeah, we do. We got goals, lofty goals. You've made apologies to the Canadians. I'm done our apologizing. Friendly northern neighbors. Yeah. And uh, he's done, he says. I feel like I apologize to Canada already when I've after well, they I visited, deserve another one. I visited Toronto. Maybe, maybe because of the apology, that's why the ratings went up in Canada. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. You know, I agree. But now they're wondering, like, wait, what else did he do? <laughs> he actually hasn't been that rude uh, on air anyways. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> anyway, right. great episode. I'm excited for this year and we're hitting the road. Yeah. Running. And just one more thing. If you see us out in the wild, come say hi, because that's the coolest thing ever. Is yeah. When we get to hear from the printheads and just have a conversation about like, why do you spend your time listening to us? Yeah. So if you see us, say hi. We love it. Yeah. Okay. We'll talk to you later. All right. See ya.